Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. journey a 16-week odyssey of grit determination endurance and will where the weak are exposed and the strong revered from bleed entertainment this is falcon's flight insights and analysis on your atlanta falcons now here's robert taylor and your host brian giffen it is Falcons Flight. This is edition number 18. Brian Giffen with Robert Taylor. Very pleased to have you with us as we are weekly. As we remind you that Falcons Flight is a presentation of Believe Entertainment, the number one site for podcast professionals. Do you believe? We certainly do. And well, from the vernacular of world beaters, egg beaters, world beaters, egg beaters. The Falcons were world beaters on Sunday as they defeated the Las Vegas Raiders and did so soundly. 43 to 6. The defense showed up. You were without a couple of prominent offensive weapons in Julio Jones and Todd Gurley. Most people didn't give them much of a chance, but this is kind of the modern day NFL, and this is the Jekyll and Hyde, Robert, that is the Atlanta Falcons. You know what they're capable of. It's how often that shows up that matters, and it did Sunday. And I got to eat a little crow because I did not have any faith in the Falcons to win this game and because of their consistency issues. So I apologize to the Falcons organization and their fans. And again, they did show up, like you said, world beaters. And I think this is probably what's going to keep Raheem Morris from securing that job. They are 4-2, and two, but this was their first win of the season over an opponent with a winning record. So I just think the inconsistency, and it's, it's frustrating because you see what they're capable of and you know that they can put up 43 points. And then in this game where they had five sacks, five turnovers, anything that could go right did go right for the Falcons. The biggest thing that bugs me are the, are the big guys, and you know who we're talking about, the ESPNs and all, and oh, all yeah. the all the big-time sports the writers of the world. We're complaining that the offense looks stagnant. And now, I'm not a football guy, so I'm, I'm assuming you could break down some film and find some opportunities. You always can. Every head football coach, no matter how great of a football game they play, can find opportunities. But to call it stagnant when you put up 43 against the Raiders, I think is a bit ridiculous. Then again, that's just me. Well, we had it on at work, as we always do, and, you know, I glanced at it from time to time. You tend to stay pretty occupied at work, and the first half was really basically a snooze fest, and a lot of this scoring and a lot of these things that happened in the game, points-wise at least, happened in the second half. By the way, we remind you that the NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino. Yep, that rascal never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I try to put that in as cryptic a voice as possible because... Well, that's the frame of mind I'm in today. (laughs) But you know what? This game, Robert, to me, 
and it's a little bit like Minnesota beating Green Bay a couple of weeks ago. This goes back to one of the things we talked about when we had Tuton Reyes on earlier, very early in the season, even prior to the season's beginning, and that is that none of these franchises, none of these teams are really that far apart where it comes to talent. It's not the talent. It's a lot of what is in the head and what's in the heart and whether or not you know, you're a smart team, whether or not you do things the right way, whether the coach's message resonates week in and week out and the mission stays the priority. Pete Rozelle always dreamed of parity, and I think from a talent perspective, in the combine era, you definitely have it. And it really goes back to that same old anybody can beat anybody on a given day, and those are two shining examples of it. Yeah, the old adage, any given Sunday. And the reason why I didn't have a lot of faith in the Falcons is how the Raiders played against the mighty Chiefs. They took them down, and again, all day long, you know, to steal a word from you, ad nauseum, we've talked about how inconsistent they are, and the talent is there. We saw it. We saw the defense show up. We saw what we thought we were going to get game one coming yeah. out of the gates, you know, on this show before the season started. I was flying high. Everybody flying high. Great expectations. All the talent. And I think it just boils down to inconsistencies on that coaching staff. Some weeks they have a great game plan, and just like last week, he crumpled up a piece of paper <laughs> and threw it in the trash, and it was like, <laughs> "Well, that there was, was a game plan, <laughs> you know, for the Saints." So it's how do you fix it? How do you? The question on every Falcons fan's mind is, how do we get this team to come out and perform like this every week? And the biggest question on Arthur Blank's mind, I'm sure, is, "Is Raheem Morris the guy?" There are those that think he's earning a shot. There are those that think he's not. I happen to think that he probably won't. Just because of the 4-2 and two record is against losing teams, the games they've lost have been bad. Those two losses, the one where they scored a touchdown and were able to defeat themselves versus the Lions, <laughs> yeah. and just that abysmal with a, a rival, you know, an in-conference rival in the Saints, and they just, ugh. I no, think for no. me the biggest stain so far is the brain fart of not covering an onside kick. If you look back over the course of what's been a fairly awful season, let's face it, still at 4-7, and seven, that's not a good season. But the biggest one for me is still a team of professionals, a return team, not knowing what to do on an onside kick, whether it was a collective brain fart, whatever you want to call it. That's probably the lasting memory for me. That was just as unbelievable as anything I've ever seen. You know, lost as we put the Atlanta spin on this game. What a stench of an effort that is for the Raiders. They come off losing that game at the very end of the Chiefs, and they really lost it in the last 30 seconds, so it nearly went to overtime. But they lost that game to the Chiefs, the world champions, who they had defeated earlier in the season. But then they come in here. That wasn't an egg that they laid. It smelled. If it was an egg, it was rotten egg. <laughs> I mean, it was awful. You know, it kind of reminds me of the guy from our swirly section, you know, like, see the peanut? <laughs> Dead giveaway. <laughs> we'll have one of those here in a little while, and it'll probably be NFL-related, by the way. But, you know, here's the thing. So, and this goes speaks to that talent being fairly equivalent, one roster to the next in the modern-day NFL. Without a couple of cogs on offense, Julio Jones and Todd Gurley, two of your featured players, your best receiver, you're certainly your best running back. You'd have figured they had no chance. You see a defense that largely has been shredded most of the year, but in the unpredictable element and era that we're in, the defense goes out and creates five turnovers that lead to 23 points, a 67-yard pick six by Deion Jones, and this after that horrible performance the week before. 
there's just no rhyme or reason sometimes to the way these things turn out. Well, one thing that I liked is probably this is the first game I've seen all year where you had like shades of 2016 when that offense was high flying. Matt Ryan spread the ball all over the field. He got it out to a lot of guys. And I love how deep the Falcons are at receiver. We've got a lot of good receivers that you can just plug in and they can catch the ball and, and make big plays. And it was also nice to see the emergence. And he was a uh, non-drafted free agent. But Jacob, and I hope I get this right, Tuati Mariner. Close enough. Had a really good game. And he looks like maybe he's one of those guys that, hey, I've got an opportunity to play. I'm going to come out here and give it my all. So look for him to contribute. Another thing we need to look out for, though, is our kicker, Young Hoku. All game, if you watched it, you saw him kind of working that knee. It was a roughing the kicker penalty, and he had a wrap around it, and he was just kind of all day working it out and jogging around on it. So we'll have to see how that plays out the rest of the season. But again, the Aerosmith song, same old story, same old song and dance. Each week, we either come in here and talk about how bad the Falcons look, or we come in here and we talk about how good the Falcons looked. And it's just that one missing ingredient, the old Lou Brown, you know, something to bring it all together. (laughs) All we need is something to bring it all together. And what that something is, Falcons fans, you tell me, because I don't know. They improve, improve to four and seven. Las Vegas falls to six and five. And after a couple of weeks ago, looking like a playoff team, all of a sudden you wonder how the Raiders will respond, you know, as we sit here getting ready now for week 12 of this 2020 NFL season. The league has had its problems, of course, with the whole virus situation, and we'll get into more of that a little bit later. But obviously this, for so many reasons, so many places, and in so many categories, has been a very weird year, and I mean way beyond football. In addition to the five turnovers, the Raiders were flagged 11 times for 141 yards. The Raiders are annually one of the most penalized teams in the league, and they certainly didn't disappoint this past Sunday. Definitely not. There was a lot of tugging and and pulling and holding going on as I was watching the game. I definitely saw that. And, hey, great win, but hopefully it's something to build on. I would like to see them come out and kind of redeem themselves against another team with a winning record in the New Orleans Saints. I believe they got to play in Atlanta, so that helps us a little bit. And we'll see how that goes. But if they come out and lay another egg, it wouldn't surprise me honestly, with how this season has gone. But I'm going to hope that maybe that defense has figured it out. Maybe they see something in themselves now. They have a little more confidence, and hopefully we don't have another repeat. Well, the other point is, is your defense bad enough to lose to Taysom Hill twice in three weeks? You know, you have to look at it that way. I mean, he looked like a superstar (laughs) in that last game. So hopefully maybe they're going to watch some film and break it down and have an answer a lot of the Saint fans on Twitter are very much believe that they can beat the Saints. They said there's no way that the Saints will sweep us. But again, maybe this is some little bit of motivation, a little chip on the shoulder for the Falcons. Once again, they're a home underdog. It's going to be an interesting ball game. And of course, you know, the Saints are the oldest rival that the Atlanta Falcons have. Matt Ryan, for his part, went 22 of 39 for 185 yards. You referenced it earlier. The fact that without Julio Jones, and you really didn't have Calvin Ridley for portions of this game, you really got a lot done with a backup cast of receivers, and those guys really figured prominently in the outcome, as did Edo Smith. Yeah, those running backs did well filling in for Gurley, and he'll be back soon enough, I think. And again, that's just the further frustrations that you feel as you know the talent's there, but you just can't seem to 
find that one magic ingredient to, to make you a really good, consistent football team. One thing I can say is, and this was a really good stat, that offensive line, I don't know what they need to do. That's probably the most annoying part of the offensive side of the ball. Matt Ryan leads the league in being sacked in the red zone. So that's another thing. And then they gave up those eight sacks and 11 knockdowns versus the Saints. So I don't know, is it coaching? Are they just not gelling? Are guys missing their blocking assignments? I don't know. I would love to talk to somebody. Maybe Scott Johns, we can get him on here uh, sometime and, sure. and ask him to kind of break down the offensive line woes for us and give us some possible solutions to that problem. Edo Smith, as mentioned a little bit ago, figured prominently in this one, finished with 65 yards on 12 carries and scored a touchdown in the game, the first touchdown that he has scored this season. So he was a factor, and it really wasn't as much as we've talked about the number of yards as when he got them and the fact that they created enough with the run that they were able to throw the ball around. You also mentioned Young Way Koo, and he matched his career high with five field goals, 38, 39, 30, 29, and 54 yards. And he's now made 21 in a row, although he did get a break on that penalty you talked about, the roughing the kicker penalty, as that resulted in a 40-yard miss. But of course, that was wiped out. Let's get into our sound cuts now, and here is Raheem Morris talking about Ito Smith and the effort he put up against the Raiders. You know, we're really talking about focusing on running the ball versus two high defenses, and Ito got in there at the second half and really sparked us. Broke off a couple big runs, gave us a couple explosives. You know, you need those things when that happens. That opens up your pass game. It definitely helps even things out to make you less one-dimensional, to give us the opportunity to, to dictate the terms of the game, which we were able to do this, this week. And Morris talking about the defense and the run defense actually showed up pretty prominently in this one. Here are Morris's thoughts on that. You know, I got a really good job. We got some big bodies in there that are able to use their hands and shed blocks and come off and make tackles. That running back's a very good t- – Jacobs, he's very tough to tackle. Uh, we were able to get there in, in bunches and bunch of people in the, in the spot to make sure we can ensure that we get him on the ground. Um, he's going to run through arm tackles. We were not able to do that. We were putting our chest on him. It was a physical fought game. Another AFC win, it was awesome. And they held Joshua Jacobs to only 27 yards in the game. And he was, of course, the leading rusher for the Raiders. So that part of it, from a defensive perspective, was very good. Morris told reporters that he really had used the New Orleans film as something to help motivate his team to get ready for Las Vegas. Here are his thoughts on that. You know, I don't ever want to, I don't ever want to say it's easier to give a message. You know, sometimes those tough battles are fought through difficulty. And that game last week was some difficulty for us. And it was able to show them and just give them the truth. And when you're able to give guys the truth of what happened and your version of the truth and let those guys, you know, sit on it and take it and come out to play, I think that's what those guys did this week. I think we took it into this game. I think it really helped us this week. And Morris was asked, and you talked about this a minute ago, you know, they are 4-2 and two under Morris and really technically should be 5-1, and one, but woulda, coulda, shoulda, they lost that game that they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory against the Detroit Lions. Here is Morris, though, on the 4-2 and two record since he took over and play since the change. I don't know if it's a sense of pride. It's more a sense of, for me, of a goal that you want to get accomplished. And you just want to get the guys reset every single week for this 1-0 mentality and not to ride the emotional roller coaster, to not allow these guys to be too high on themselves or too low on themselves, no matter what happens. You know, when you're 0-5, you know, it's easy for everybody to turn on each other and everybody to, to point fingers and see who the problem was, and and that wasn't the case. I think these guys just adapted the 1-0 mentality, um, really bounced back and forcing their will on their opponent, and really just focused on doing their jobs, which is scoring and getting the ball back. And I think they've done a wonderful job of doing all those things each week and really separating the emotional roller coaster of being too high or the emotional roller coaster of being too low and just kind of playing the game as it comes out. 
And Robert, I don't know. I mean, there's a ways to go, obviously, as you sit here now. 11 games in, you have five regular season games left. And, you know, what happens in terms of Morris and his chances to maintain the job? I would think if they closed the season 4-1 and one over the last five, you could make somewhat of a compelling case. But without a general manager, it becomes a real wild card because you hire a GM, you're structurally going to do things differently, and that GM really should have the opportunity to piece together an organization the way he wants to. Yeah, I'll say one thing, though. I think he should very much consider, if Raheem Morris isn't given the nod, I think they should, whatever new head coach comes in, I think there's one name they should mention to him and say, hey, at least interview him, give him some consideration, and that's our defensive coordinator, Jeff Ulbricht because Quinn hired him in 2015, but he was never really given full control of the defense. He was always just kind of right under Dan Quinn's nose, and he's taken a Falcons scoring defense, an overall defense that was last, all the way up to 16th now, just in the last two or three weeks. So I think you really should give him a hard look. Now, I think he was the linebacker's coach and then was elevated into the role when Raheem became the head coach. I believe you're right, but I'd have to go back and look over some notes. I was just uh, browsing through here, but one question people ask is why was he never kind of given that opportunity to kind of grow within the program? And nobody knows that but Dan Quinn, obviously, and, and the powers that be. But I guess at the end of the day, as much success as the Falcons have seen since Dan Quinn's left town, I just, you know how you get a feeling sometimes? I just don't feel Raheem Morris back to you know, that being, same old song and dance reference yeah, you, know, you I, made I, earlier. I just don't feel him being the guy going forward. I'm not saying he hasn't done a fine job as an interim and in getting things Agreed. turned around and keeping some semblance of trying to right the ship and trying to get better, which obviously I have with a 4-2 and two record, but it just doesn't feel like he's the guy. You know, in the social media era, and with as much money as there is tied up in all this, and all the over-analysis and over-coverage and over-exposure and over-hype and everything else, so much is placed on the shoulders of a coach anyway. But there's so many more things that factor into this, be it injuries, be it, you know, an oval ball takes funny bounces, be it, you know, how your schedule plays out, be it the division you play in. Hence, and I'm not taking anything away from him, but a lot of the run by New England, at least in terms of division championships, I think has a whole lot to do with them, but also has to do with how woeful the rest of the div- In other words, there's a whole lot of stuff that goes into winning championships in any sport, and I think football more than any, because you have so many moving pieces, so many moving parts, and so many factors that can influence how things go. So as much as I, like many people, would cry for, oh, this coach has to go, that coach has to go, the point is I think that there's almost more put on coaches than really has to do with coaching. Am I making some sense here? It'd be rare. Oh, yeah. And the biggest thing that even after this Raiders game, there are still reporters out there just basically dumping all over Matt Ryan still. And the guy just went over 3,000 yards for the 11th straight season. And with that offensive line, like I say it all the time, and you've heard me say it a billion times on this show, he's always good despite the Falcons. This guy's Jeff Benedict, whoever he is. I don't know who he is. but <laughs> Neither do I. He's saying that Matt Ryan has to reinvent himself or realize his days as a starter or number. And I'm just, what are you talking? Have you even watched a Falcons game well, this year? You know, Have you I've even seen no his numbers? No idea who this guy is. Yeah, I don't either, but, uh, you know, uh, if I didn't already have somebody to swirl, I'd throw him in there because (laughs) I I just – I don't get it. I don't get it why everybody doesn't like Matt Ryan and thinks he's so bad, and it's like the guy isn't bad. I'm not ready to move on from him. He still has plenty left to offer, 
clearly, guy just lit it up versus the Raiders, had a great game, solid game, spread the ball out, scored some points. Now the defense really won that game. You know, they had 23 points off of turnovers, but leave the poor man alone. Seriously, first ballot Hall of Famer. What more can you ask from him? You know, if we were going to swirl reporters, if we were going to swirl media types, we could probably create several years worth of podcasts. We would have that many candidates that deserve to be swirled. That's the state of the world. Maybe we'll just start like a – maybe we'll call Believe and ask him, can we do like a shoot-off? <laughs> Swirl-off. Uh, yeah, like, uh, <laughs> you know, some some sort of swirlathon or uh, <laughs> the last swirl. I don't know. But it, all it would be is just us swirling people and have people call in and <laughs> give, yeah. Yeah, give swir- swirls you, out. You know, your your girlfriend pisses you off, call us up. Yeah. Swirler. Swirler. Or maybe I should say ladies, if your man pisses you off, call us. We'll swirl him. Well, speaking of Matt Ryan – Matt Ryan had some comments after the game, and here are his thoughts on the win over Vegas. We did it because our defense put us in a lot of good positions. That was the story of the day. I thought our defense played extremely well, gave us a lot of short field opportunities, came away with a handful of touchdowns. We can still be a little bit better, but all in all, it was good team effort. And, you know, the Falcons created, and we talked about the fact Julio Jones and Todd Gurley, neither one of them played, but they created some explosive plays with their backups. Here's Ryan on the explosives and the red area execution, which was better in this game. One explosive play here or there, you're down tight in the red area and you got a chance for a touchdown. So definitely gives you a lift, and uh, we did okay with it today of coming away with touchdowns. We definitely came away with points, which is, you know, ultimately the most important, but I think we can still be a little bit better offensively and find ways to score touchdowns in those situations. And we talked about the backup receivers with Julio out and Calvin missing some time. Of course, he's been nicked up most of the year. They really turned in a big game. Here's Ryan on the backup receivers stepping up big versus Las Vegas. It's tough to replace that production when who's out, but I thought our guys did a nice job of going out there and competing. It was tough. made it even tougher when uh, Alameda went out of the game too, but Christian Blake and Brandon Powell did a great job for us of filling in, and, you know, I I appreciate their effort and their professionalism and their readiness at any moment to go in and play all kinds of different positions for us. And that wraps our sound pieces for this week. So the Falcons sit at 4-7, and and they prepare now to face the New Orleans Saints for the second time in three weeks. You're at the same place you were when you played them the last time. So if you can find a way to get this game... You get it to 5-7. and seven. At least you see the crest of the mountain being below 500, and perhaps you can put a little run together during this gauntlet of a schedule. If they play like they did last week, which is a big if, then you like their chances to at least you know have a shot at defeating New Orleans. We'll see. Yeah, but I'll, I'll tell you one thing, too. I kind of like their chances versus the Buccaneers now because the Bucs are not that successful versus teams with winning records. No. But it also seems like there's some real animosity brewing down there between Brady and Bruce Arians, and they just really can't seem to get on the same page. So maybe somehow the Falcons can exploit that. And, man, it w- I would love nothing more draft be damned if we could just take out the Bucks twice because – Everyone knows my utter disdain for Tom Brady. Well, he's had a great career, but, you know, you change locations, you change organizations, you change philosophies, you change all these things, and it's not always, you say it yourself all the time, the grass isn't always greener, and in this case, who knows? The expectations were so high, the media down there and nationally created a whole bunch of pressure on the Bucks coming into the season, and what did they lose, their fifth game last Sunday? They're not really living up to where everybody had them being. And, you know, it just goes to show you that the games are not played on paper. Exactly. 
Well, I just love how everybody thought that, you know, because they signed a 42-year-old Tom Brady and, and somewhat of a worn-down Gronk by injuries, but I would also say his social life has probably taken a bit of a toll on his performance. Everybody knows he likes to party, and it's like all of a sudden they exalted them. And you got and Bruce Arians is a good head coach. There's no arguing that. But I think they did go a little overboard by kind of crowning them Super Bowl favorites. And listen, everybody knows the reason Tom Brady left New England was he wanted to prove that he could do it elsewhere without Bill Belichick and, and all the tools and everything they have up there to make a quarterback succeed in New England. And I just think it's too little too late. I don't think he's going to win a Super Bowl with the Bucks. I know he would love to be able to say that besides Manning, he's the only other quarterback in the history of the NFL to win a Super Bowl with two different franchises, but I don't see it happening. Well, it'll be interesting to see as the rest of this season unfolds. Right now, we're going to take a timeout, and on the other side of it, we'll get you a little bit more ready for the Falcons and the Saints, and then it'll be off to the land of swirls. All of that comes your way after we take a timeout. We remind you that this is Falcons Flight, a presentation of Believe Entertainment. Brian Giffen with Robert Taylor, and we remind you that Believe is the number one site for podcast professionals. Do you believe? We certainly do. And we're back after this timeout. You're listening to Falcons Flight. Mr. Hardwood is Atlanta's premier flooring expert, but hardwood is just the beginning. Mr. Hardwood also installs laminate, tile, vinyl, carpet, and more. Your home is likely your biggest investment. Not only can you enhance its value with beautiful new floors, but our lifetime transferable warranty will enhance the value even more. If you stand on it, Mr. Hardwood stands behind it. Mr. Hardwood is committed to setting the industry standard for all your uniquely designed and professionally installed flooring solutions. Our number one goal is to exceed our customers' needs by providing value, quality, and exceptional service even after the sale. We take great pride in high-quality craftsmanship and integrity and are not satisfied until we have exceeded your expectations. Mr. Hardwood, Atlanta's flooring experts. To set up your free consultation, call Mr. Hardwood today at 770-318-8880 or go to mrhardwoodinc.com. Like in football, whether it's in business, recreation, or life, you need a game plan. Is your computer running slow? Is it infected with viruses or malware? Maybe you're a gamer and really want a custom-built computer specifically for gaming. Perhaps like us, you want a lightning-fast, state-of-the-art, solid-state drive to replace that clunky, old-school one in your machine. Your game plan for any of this should be Computers Plus. A lot of the components we use to produce and bring you Falcon's Flight have been upgraded or provided by Computers Plus. Computers Plus is located in Ackworth, Georgia at 3330 Cobb Parkway Northwest, Suite 154. But wherever you are, they can help. Stop in and see them. They also feature a full line of accessories and refurbished equipment. Give them a call today at 770-693-0769 or check them out at computersplususa.com. You'll be glad you did. It is Falcons Flight Edition number 18. Brian Giffen with Robert Taylor. And we're back for the final segment of this week's Falcons Flight as Atlanta gets set to take on New Orleans for the second time in two weeks, the Falcons and the Saints. And from the Atlanta perspective, they certainly hope that it turns out better than the first matchup did. 
and Drew Brees still not going to be ready to go, so you would certainly expect it would be Taysom Hill. New Orleans coming off that blowout win over a quarterbackless Denver Broncos team, and we'll get into a little bit more of that in a minute. But, you know, the Saints are leading the division. They've played really well all year. They deserve to be where they are, and they whipped the Falcons pretty handily a couple of weeks ago, and for me, Robert, it starts with you got to protect Matt Ryan better. We really belabored the point about the numbers, the woeful numbers, the offensive line, and really the offense in general put up against the Saints the last time. That's got to be better. And you hope that when you open the box, you keep your defense in, you get the version you got last week, not the version you had the week before. Well, you know, Taysom Hill has got that offense rolling, and Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara probably arguably one of the best one-two punches in football right now. But the thing that worries me the most, and I'm not saying the Falcons can't go out and do it with watching some film and getting some practices in and kind of cleaning some things up and maybe seeing something they didn't see the first time around, but the Saints defense is the number one defense in the NFL right now. They rank number five against the pass, they're number two against the run, and they're number five overall in points allowed per game. So it ain't going to be easy. And the Falcons really are going to have to come in with that same level of intensity, that same fire, and get it done. And, and I'm telling you, and we'll find out probably within the first couple of three series really how this game's going to go. If Matt Ryan, if they do some three and outs and they can't, you know, like you say, win first down and get ahead early, it's going to be another long afternoon, I think, here in Atlanta. Well, the other thing is that, you know, if, if he gets sacked and he gets hit a lot early in the game, that often can show you or give you some indication of what kind of day it might be. We'll certainly find out. But for the Falcons, it's a chance, again, to climb closer to that crest of the mountain and maybe get themselves to 5-7, and seven, avenge the loss from a couple of weeks ago. And again, you're really at a point anyway where you're playing to try to finish the best you can. Maybe you save the coach as the interim guy, the job where the interim tag gets taken off. Maybe you don't. But professionally, you know, you owe it to yourself and your career and everyone that's paying to watch, however many limited that may be, you owe it to all of those different factors to go out there and put your best foot forward. Looking around the league a little bit, I don't know how you feel about it, Robert. Look, on one hand, you can make the case that, you know, the NFL has pulled it off so far where they've gotten every game in. But on the other side of the coin, have they kind of bull in a china shop their way through it? There have been some double standards. I mean, this we talked about the quarterbackless Denver Broncos who got whipped by the Saints last week. They had to start a practice squad receiver at quarterback. And that's the league insisting that they play. But on the other side of the coin, out the other side of Rogers' mouth, so they moved the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game from Thursday to Sunday. Then they turn around and move it to Tuesday. Now they turn around and they've moved it to Wednesday. Well, what in the hell is the difference? What in the hell is the difference? I mean, so, yeah, some guys haven't worn masks, and, you know, they're 20-something-year-old guys who maybe aren't the most brilliant people on earth at this stage judgment-wise. I'm not challenging their academic prowess or lack thereof. But, in other words, how can you force one franchise into a situation where you play, even though the protocol maybe hasn't been handled right, but then because you've got a marquee matchup between an undefeated team and one who was supposed to win that division, you push that one to this day, then this day. Then. You can't have it both ways. Well, I don't know if you would call this devil's advocate, but kind of the way I see it is maybe, I don't know how much investigating they've done into the Steelers and Ravens practices 
of not not actual practice, but their practices as far as COVID-19 is concerned. And maybe they were doing the right things and wearing masks. But I think the lesson they were trying to send to the Broncos is how could you as a head coach and how could you quarterbacks who are seen as team leaders, team captains, put yourself in this kind of situation? How could you be so careless as to allow this to happen? How could you not? And again, you know, Drew Locke has already came out and, and apologized for saying they were in close quarters in the QB room. They weren't wearing masks. They were all three considered uh, high-risk, close contacts with the number three quarterback, Jeff Driscoll. So I think that was a, you know what, if you're going to be so stupid, stupid, then guess what? You're going to go out and you're going to have to start that practice squad wide receiver. I'm going to make you play. I do see where you're coming from. Maybe it is a thing that, hey, you know, if you're going to be so ridiculous, then, yeah, we're not canceling. You should have known better. You should have done better. That's on you guys. It's not like you guys were following protocol and doing things and this just sort of happened. I think it's their own negligence, so that's why they're you know being made to pay so heavily. Well, you've also seen more and more guys that have been put on that COVID reserve list throughout the year, and I don't think that's anything that's a shocking development. Everybody knows this is an illness that you know, spreads very easily and all of that stuff. But what hasn't been talked about a whole lot either is that, and this doesn't trivialize anybody who's been affected adversely or tragically by this, this is a 99.8 or 99.9, depending on which research you read, recoverable illness that most people only suffer minorly from. And again, that doesn't trivialize anybody who's been affected to a large extent, but I don't know. I typically do not ever go down the road at all, and I won't hear of political opinions or one thing or the other, but do you have any doubt in your mind to some extent this thing has been so over-politicized and so over-covered that it's been turned into something that statistically it's really not? Had you asked me uh, a little more than a week ago, I probably would have agreed with you. But I wouldn't call him a friend, but an acquaintance that I had the pleasure of meeting on numerous occasions. I knew him. It's kind of one of those people like, he's not calling me to go on a hike or come grill sure. out. But if I see him in the in the store, oh, hey, man, what's up? You know, I yeah. So basically kind of a friend of a friend. He lost his life to COVID and he, and he was in incredible shape. He did like the ultra marathons and the Spartan races. Now, I don't know if he had some underlying stuff that I was unaware of. He was in his early 50s, but he looked fantastic. Yeah. So in some ways, I think I'm back to being conflicted again, yeah. because in some ways I'm like, oh, you know, the media and everybody has really hyped it up. And fortunately, they've caused this division. And I know we're starting to maybe get a little too political, so we'll dial it back. But yeah. now it's created there's COVID people and there's not COVID people. But I'm kind of somewhere in the gray area of I respect it, of but course. I also don't think it's that bad, but. I don't want to find out. I'll put it to you that way. I don't want to find out. I'm with you. And you know what? I I honestly, I I just want to make crystal clear the fact that I'm not taking a side in it. I'm just wondering aloud if maybe the reaction measures up to what the statistical realities are. And look, everybody's different in these things. I mean, everybody's body chemistry is... I lost a wife to cancer going on 13 years ago. And I remember a doctor telling me, you know, that how it's treated, how it responds, all of that. Now, the cancer is a different illness, but you, you know where I'm going with this. Everybody's different. And, and I think in this case, it's the same kind of thing where it depends on you. It depends on what your immune system is like. It depends on what underlying issues you might have, that kind of thing. And I'm not questioning at all how scary any of it has been. The only thing I wonder about is if it's maybe been over over covered and the fear factor that's been instilled along with it. 
Yes, it's a reality, and you always have to accept that it's a reality, but so is influenza, so are various other things. And I always try to stay away from political stuff, and I wasn't trying to go down that road. I just wonder aloud the way the league has handled it as it relates to what we're doing here, whether or not the reaction has been over the top, whether or not the reaction has been too much, whether it hasn't been enough. And I'd be curious to get other people's takes on it. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Uh, Unfortunately, sometimes you can't talk about it without a full-blown just screaming match. Yeah, that's the age we live in, sadly. Yeah, breaking out. but And I think a lot of it is like the pundits call it, the, uh, I think they call it like COVID fatigue or quarantine fatigue. Yeah. And, and again, there's just so much of a blend. I, I honestly think it's about 50-50. Some, well, some days I think it's a little more in favor of, hey guys, I don't think this is all necessary. I think we don't need to sit at home, locked away, blah, 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 blah. So I think there's people that are just tired of of the daily routine of oh man I got to get hold on I got to get my mask hold yeah. on and you know maybe there's other programs that don't see a lot of outbreaks happening and they're all kind of in the locker room and in film rooms like hey well nobody's getting sick I feel fine the coaches you know everybody feels fine maybe this isn't that bad and they get a little lazy and you know unfortunately until this thing is over and they get all you know everybody that wants to get vaccinated out it's just not the way it is we experience it in the restaurant you know there are things that we have to do that really don't no make doubt. a lot of sense to us but we still have to do them because there are the people out there that are going to look at us and point a finger and it's like you don't you know this hey let's just all you know a little bit longer just a little bit longer yeah and that's the other thing so there are now something like i think two nearly 100 percent like 95 percent effective vaccines that are on the horizon so hopefully when those things finally arrive and become available in mass we can finally move on from this weird chapter that has been 2020 well away from the serious but not away from the weird chapters <laughs> robert what time is it it is swirly time swirly time swirly time the Falcon's flight crew is intolerant of jackassery. There is a special place where morons are plunged headlong into a blue vortex of irony. Where imbeciles are irrigated, dumbasses are drenched, and abject idiocy rinsed away. Where pompous assery comes face to face with porcelain where chlorine, tidy bowl, and bleach administer swift, swirling justice. This is our Game of Thrones, where mindsets and hairstyles are forever altered. It is the Falcon's Flight Swirly segment. Now let's get this party started. Ah, yes. We have polished the handle. We have opened the lid. We have placed ourselves in front of where the swirlies are hid. (laughs) This is one of those nearly holiday poetic. That that sounded very Christmassy, kind of. (laughs) Yeah, it really did. I needed some sleigh bells in the background. But uh, (laughs) we'll just have to settle for toilets. But uh, look, so I'm going to go all the way back to the very first sword. Do you remember who the first individual swirled was? I do. Do you remember sort of how that came together? We were talking on our old podcast, The State of Sports, and we were, I remember you saying, 
So, I guess that when you go to close your pool, you're not going to invite Roger, and you're cooking steaks and potatoes and everything else, you're not going to invite Roger Goodell over <laughs> to help close your pool down. And I remember something to the effect of, well, he can come over if he promises to resign. <laughs> and then I went on to say, he can come over if he lets me hold his head under the water. And one thing led to the other, where Mark Rich, the commissioner, was with us, and we said, let's give Roger Goodell a swirly. Absolutely. Well, I'm going back all the way to the beginning, and I'm going to swirl Roger Goodell. And the reason is, you know, it's not just, a, look, I mean, the modern-day state of things, and we already addressed this ad nauseum, I want to use my phrase again, how you feel about it, you know, how it's been handled can be construed any way that best suits your narrative. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to swirl him because the league from a ratings perspective and all of these other things, they're way down, you know? And I think there are a lot of reasons for that. For one, they made a mistake, I think, when they dipped their toes too deeply into the waters of politics. Most people watch sports to watch sports. They only know who athletes are because they like to watch them play ball. Doesn't mean they don't want to hear from them afterward about the game and about what's going on with the team and this and that. But I don't know how much I want to hear as a sports fan, and I never did, all the way from where I was four and five years old and really started to watch sports and even took an interest in getting into it as a career. I never wanted to hear about their stance on this issue or that. And I think the league has done itself a disservice by making it so, and I get it, that the times we're in, you know, that's something you're going to do. And I'm not insensitive, by the way, to anybody's cause. It's the forum in which it's being done that I have a problem with because when you're in the mass entertainment business, why do you want to do something that's going to piss off 50, whatever, 60% of the masses? I just don't think when they started this, they realized what was going to happen. Yeah. It snowballed out of control because what it was, here's how it all started. And I want to say, and I probably have my date wrong, 2015 or 16, maybe around there or a little bit earlier, is when the team started to come out of the tunnel. They used to stay in there for the yeah. for the anthem. But then winning of hearts and minds and the uh, United States military and the government said, hey, what if we started to pay you some money for these patriotic displays, you yeah. know, to, to get fans fired up? And, hey, we're going to have, you know, Sergeant Tom Miller back from Iraq, and he's going to reunite with his daughter on the 50-yard line. She hasn't seen him in over a year. And I love all that stuff, but I just yeah. didn't think they knew – that, that would kind of snowball into something else. And, again, I've long said this, and, and you know us, we try to keep it about sports because that's what we want our sports yep. to be about. But, hey, use your celebrity status, use your bank account to fight all the things that you believe in, social inequality, social yeah. injustice, all those things. By all means, get out there, make yourself heard, get involved. But on Sundays, let's just play football. You know, because I always said, man, if the wife was nagging you or your boss was a jerk or just whatever, maybe your car broke down, whatever, the stresses of life threw at you throughout the week, you could always sit down on Sunday and just watch a game. And, and get eat, absorbed. Yeah, and eat a burger and drink a beer without all that negative other crap kind of inundating your, your entertainment, and that's what's happened. And I think they're seeing some of the effects of that, and they're like, okay, guys. Well, you we and I both know because we know how – crowds used to be you know in the restaurant industry and and a sports bar type setting where if you had the package which you know we certainly have had over the years and the people that would show up to watch specific teams they had the luxury of you know you could go and watch any game but they've priced that now as you well know to a range where for somebody to have that in a public or a business establishment 
you better do X number of dollars, which is right now an unattainable goal with the number of people that go out to watch these games. And you and I both know, because we've seen it on Sundays, this year, there's been people that, oh, yeah, you mind putting it on? But they don't care about the sound. They don't yeah. care about what's happening with other games. None of that stuff. And I just feel like, you know, with the current state of the league, you just don't do things that are going to drive some segment of the fan base potentially away. And I feel like to some extent in the current times, and I don't just fault Roger, but it's happened on his watch. And I don't think there's any way in the world when TV deals come up for renegotiation, unless network executives are just foolhardy and willing to step out on the ledge that all this is going to just magically go away. I don't see how they give them more money when the next TV deal comes around. If anything, it would go the other way. You're not going to pay more money for 52, 58, 68, whatever percent of the audience that you were paying for before. And I don't see how anybody could disagree with me, the ripple effect that this has caused, because we see it in our restaurant. It, yeah. This has affected our business. No doubt. I don't think these guys, and no offense to you guys out there, but you're millionaires. You are richer than you ever could have imagined. And, hey, you did it through your, your God-given talent and hard work. Congratulations, you got there. But now you're affecting the sports bar owner and the guy out front of the games that sells the T-shirts and all the memorabilia because people are just turned off by it. And we used to have much, much bigger crowds for the NFL and I think they're starting to come around to that and say, hey, we've got to win our fan base back. And how we do it is keeping our political scruples and our religious beliefs and anything else outside of football, outside of football. 100%, you have the freedom to pursue all of that. Yeah. But make game day about game day and about the competition, the sportsmanship, and the excitement of NFL football. And I think if you get back to that, you know, it's going to be gravy. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see over the next few years how that develops. But since we're going all the way back to the roots of the swirly segment, hey, Raj, that porcelain thrown in front of you is not a mirage. Get over here. No one bubbles like Raja bubbles. That's it, boy. Get in there nice and deep, patriotic the toilet is white his hair is red and the water is blue don't nobody go in the bathroom for about 35 45 minutes somebody open the window you see the peanut dead gets me. <laughs> uh, that gets me every time okay over to you well i'm gonna keep it in the nfl and we talked about this earlier in a couple of different segments but i gotta i have to swirl vic fangio and and all of the denver broncos organization because they went into a game versus the Saints on Sunday, and they first of all, they tried to get a coach to do it. They tried to actually yeah, activate a coach, coach to play quarterback, but then they had to get practice squad rookie receiver Kendall Hinton, and I believe he played at Wake Forest, and that was his last QB action, and number three running back Royce Freeman to share snaps because their other four guys who were actually on the payroll and studied to be quarterbacks all went down due to COVID because they all sat in a room and Jeff Driscoll's tested positive, but Drew Locke, Brett Rippon, and Blake Bortles, and he's a practice quarterback, all came in uh, high-risk close contact, and it was comical. Hinton had never played in a professional game before Sunday. <laughs> he completed yeah, one of nine passes, and the Broncos lost 31-3. to Yeah, they and, played the Saints, who you said earlier, the best defense statistically in the league. Good luck yeah. with that one. Hang with them, son. So, you know, just – 
I was thinking maybe Ilway might <laughs> might wander down there and limp out for a few series. But, yeah, yeah. shame on you guys. you got to do a better job. You put your team in the most awful position I can think of. I And, Brian, in your time in the NFL, have you ever heard of this happening? No. No, so, yeah, not even just... close. Now, there have been gimmicks before. I remember years ago, and this is way back when Ron Meyer was coaching the Colts. I was a kid. That tells you right away how long ago it was. But they signed a guy named Ricky Turner, and at times, as a niche quarterback, and at times when Ron Meyer wanted to and where it was you know, something that he felt would be functional and would work, they'd actually go and run the wishbone. Now, this was you know three or four instances. This has been 30-whatever years ago. But, yeah, no, the, you don't see stuff like that. You just don't. Yeah, that's the most unprofessional, just shameful, like, you should be in pair. And given that the Broncos are a storied organization, they've won multiple Super Bowls. They've had, you know, Terrell Davis, Peyton Manning, just superstar after superstar come through there and and to to do that. Yeah, yeah, you know, I forgot. To do this is just, it's it's an embarrassment, and you should be ashamed. And, And because of that, you're going swimming. Hey, Broncos, after this, you'll have to rinse off with the water hose. Get over here. That's it, boy. Get in there, nice and deep. Jive ho. The reason that bad things happen to you is because you're a dumbass. Or you are dumbasses, as these four <laughs> individuals apparently were. Well, that will about wrap this edition of Falcon's Flight, and we appreciate not only you guys joining us, but, you know, indulging us for a minute to weigh in on some of this stuff, because at some point you do have to take an accounting of how the league has approached this issue. And, uh, you know, despite where you stand on what's happening with it, you know, how lethal and all these other things that it is, the way the league has handled it is the angle we were trying to go at this from and really inviting some discussion and topical stuff about that between each other. So all things being equal, it's the Falcons and the Saints on Sunday, and Atlanta tries to improve to 5-7 and seven and take down the first-place New Orleans team that comes into this game playing very well. Final thoughts, Robert? Well, I'll just say uh, I hope we're talking about world beaters, and uh, if we're not, I'm going to go swing by the store and get a carton of egg beaters, and we're going to whip up some eggs to eat while we talk about <laughs> Some non-eggs to eat, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Falcon's Flight. It's number 18. We invite you to turn in for number tune in for number 19 next week when we recap this one and look beyond. But that'll do it for this episode, and we remind you that Falcon's Flight a presentation of Believe Entertainment, the number one site for podcast professionals. I'm Brian, he's Rob, and we're out. Thank you for listening to Falcon's Flight. Tune in throughout the season for updates, insights, and analysis on the Dirty Birds. Falcon's Flight is a production of Believe Entertainment. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.